Welcome to the Lion's Den University Report. This program brings you a behind-the-scenes look at the spiritual life on today's university and college campuses. Now here's your host, Glenn Bailey. On the Lion's Den University Report, it's our privilege to interview a lot of interesting folks, and uh, most of them are directly connected with the university, uh, with uh, a lot of professors are one of the things that we focus on because people don't realize there are Bible-believing Christian professors on university campuses today, and from what you get from the news... What's uh, his name? <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> it's one yeah. <laughs> Right. That was, okay. that was an article that was written. Well, are there any... It was Republicans that the article was written on. Are there any Republican professors? And yes, there's one. <laughs> but uh, interestingly enough, there are a, a number, and uh, they uh, do uh, many times face hostility, though, for their faith, and some remain uh, somewhat undercover uh, because of the repercussions that can happen. And uh, yet uh, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is still the answer that everyone needs. And we're afraid of the statistics that tell us that uh, many young people lose their faith when they go to the university. We're uh, continuing an interview today with a guest that has been on our program before and uh, becoming a popular speaker on campuses to packed audiences like he spoke to uh, last night at Penn State University on the subject of a book that he's written, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, uh, Dr. Frank Turek. And uh, Frank, uh, welcome again uh, to the Lion's Den University Report. Thanks, Glenn. I want to know the, pe- I want to know the name of the guy who's a, who's a Christian, who's a, who's a, who's a, a professor. Actually, there are many out there. I'm being yeah. facetious. But yep. they're few and far between, unfortunately. And uh, we had in the audience uh, a representative, uh, Dr. John Simbala, is mm-hmm. a mechanical engineering professor at Penn mm-hmm. State. Uh, who heads up the Christian Faculty and Staff Fellowship mm-hmm. that uh, has met for 30-some years, I think, and uh, has, uh, even though their uh, meetings are, are fairly small, they have a weekly luncheon meeting, they have uh, two to 300 on their mailing list. Oh, so, excellent, yeah. Uh, you know, but you've got uh, two to 3,000 or 4,000 uh, faculty and, and much more than that staff and administrators at a place like Penn State, which is really a little city. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we had kind of the churches represented there, the campus ministries, and there were maybe 20 uh, represented in the crowd uh, last night, and uh, uh, mostly a Christian crowd, but there were a good number of non-Christians Yeah, we as had well. several and, non-Christians asking questions, even had a young Muslim student ask question all the way from Pakistan. And uh, so what we try and do is we try and go on campus and we try and provide them evidence as to why Christianity is true from our book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And um, you can see when we're coming to town, just go to crossexamined.org and you can see the uh, calendar there. We speak at churches, high schools, and colleges because, Glenn, 75% of young kids who go to college who are Christians walk away from the church once they go to college. And one of the reasons is they don't know why Christianity is true, so we try and give them evidence as to why it's true. Right. And... uh in particular on the colleges, as we, that's where our program deals with specifically, uh, the history is Christian history. That mm-hmm. uh, Way back, uh, they were designed to raise up leaders that's for the right. Christian faith. 106 out of the first 108 colleges created in the United States were expressly created by Christian groups for the advancement of the gospel. Right. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, they've obviously fallen far from that in, in most cases, but... That's the truth about the and history we, of schools. We encourage our listeners to pray for the university or college mm-hmm. and their community for revival to take place because there have been revivals over the years mm-hmm. and uh, even all the way back to uh, 1800, uh, Yale was said to be turning uh, atheist and uh, the grandson of Jonathan Edwards, who was the preacher in the first great awakening, uh, his uh, grandson, uh, Timothy Dwight, 
who led in the second Great Awakening, was president of Yale for 20 years. Mm. And under his leadership, it was said that 30, uh, one third of the student body made commitments of their lives wow. to Christ. And wow. so these things happen. And we've talked uh, on our program mm-hmm. about uh, here at Penn State uh, in the, uh, was the, uh, I think the late uh, uh, 1970s, uh, that there was somewhat of a revival uh, and uh, over a thousand students were attending Campus Crusade for Christ meetings and mm-hmm. hundreds in the other groups. And uh, one of our guests said he knew personally 200 people during his four years at Penn State who went on into ministry or missions mm-hmm. around the world. And mm-hmm. so uh, we pray that God would do a work yes. in these days. And I don't know if you've seen anything in any of the campuses that you visited that uh, speak of a potential revival or, or uh, growing well, I, we, of we do find an interest in spiritual issues, obviously. And uh, so when we come to college campus, in addition to the title, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I think that attracts people. But I think people are, many students are generally interested in what you have to say. Now, there there will be some naysayers out there, obviously, and there'll be some people who are, you know, trying to trying to dupe you, that kind of thing. But that's, that's fair. That's why we have a Q&A period, and that's why we can interact with people on it. So... And we're not ashamed of the gospel because it is the not. answer for that's why we do it for yeah. everyone, yeah. including the highest intellectuals. That's and right. Some of the highest intellectuals in the world are Christians. Yes, and, and you haven't been afraid to uh, take on some of the leading no. atheists, have you? No. In fact, on our website, crossexamined.org, you can see a couple of debates I had with Christopher Hitchens, the late Christopher Hitchens. You might remember him. He was right. a brilliant British atheist, and he sounded even more brilliant than he was because he, he had a British accent. Right. Okay. You know, and uh, I've debated uh, David Silverman from American Atheists, the president of American Atheists, and some other prominent atheists. And most of those debates you can see on our website for free, uh, or YouTube, wherever you want to go to find them. So I think the evidence for Christianity is quite strong, and I, I, I don't think uh, the evidence for atheism or an alternative worldview is anywhere near what it is for Christianity. I think you have to have a lot of faith to be an atheist. Right. And that's why the book is called, <laughs> I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Amen to that. Well, and um, one of the things that you emphasized last night was, uh, does truth exist? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there are a lot of slogans out there that uh, people uh, put out and and simple questions can uh, refute those yeah. things. Yeah, you hear that in the relativistic culture we live in, things like there is no truth or all truth is relative or you can't know truth or you ought not judge all these kind of claims. Every one of those claims is what we call self-defeating. They, they can't be true because they don't even meet their own standards. So for example, if somebody says there's no truth, you ought to ask them, is that true? Right. You know, is it true <laughs> there's no truth? Because if it's true that there's no truth, the claim there is no truth can't be true, but it claims to be true. So it's a self-defeating statement. It's like saying, I can't speak a word in English, right? Yeah. If I were to say that, you'd go, hey, you just used English. Right. Uh, same thing. The, uh, the joke on the airlines is they have these cards that, to tell you, you know, how to handle the emergency exits. Uh-huh. And they say at the top of the card, if you can't read this, contact the stewardess. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That'd be self-defeating. Uh, someone says, uh, all truth is relative. You say, is that a relative truth? Somebody says, there are no absolutes. You say, are you absolutely sure? Because right. that's an absolute right there. Yeah. Somebody says, you can't know anything. You'd say, well, then how do you know you can't know anything? Sure. Uh, somebody says you ought not judge. You ought to say, then why are you judging me for judging? See, right. Jesus didn't say don't judge. He said, judge not lest you be judged. And then he tells you to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That's right. a judgment. And I thought that was a pretty compelling uh, 
point, especially for Christians to realize, because these are slogans that get into the culture. And they're false. And and they're pushed, and then they use it on Christians. And and like you say, you know, I've been told, you know, judge not lest you be judged. And I I do respond, well, is that, are you judging me? Yeah, that's (laughs) right. While you're saying Jesus isn't saying don't make judgment. He's basically saying don't judge hypocritically. You know, it's not a command exactly. not to judge. It's a command on how to judge. Right, the context. Right. Share uh, what, how well, you, you I explained mean, that. Yeah, he um, he tells us to take the speck out of our brother's eye. He's simply saying, judge yourself first before you judge somebody else. If you've got that problem in your life, get it out of your life first before you go try and deal with your brother. Don't right. judge yourself. You realize yours is a great problem because he calls it a plank sure. compared to a splinter. Yeah, okay. yeah. And the other thing I've noticed about judging too is... Um, if you judge, if, if you compliment somebody, right. which is a judgment. That's a judgment. Nobody gets upset. Right. Like you say to your best friend, you know, I really love you. You're such a wonderful person. Your best friend isn't going to say, who do you think you are? Are you judging me? No, your friend's going to say, thank you, right? See, people don't have a problem with judging. They just have a problem with judgments they don't like. So if you tell somebody the truth and they get upset with you, you just help convict them, but they don't want you to convict them. Right. As Jesus said, men love darkness rather than light. So if you judge what they're doing and, and point out that it's wrong, they may get upset with you. And Augustine said, we love the truth when it enlightens us. We hate the truth when it convicts us. So if you convict somebody with the truth, they may get mad at you. But in order to love people, you got to tell them the truth. If you don't tell them the truth, you're not loving them. Now you got to do it in the right way. Don't get me wrong, but you've, you can't hide the truth from people. Right. In fact, Jesus said the truth will set you free. Well, what does that imply? That if you don't have the truth, you're in bondage. The most important thing in the world is truth. Because if you've got the truth, then you can make a decision whether or not you're going to follow it. If you don't have the truth, then you're stuck in bondage. Sure. Got to know the truth. Sure. And so that's what we try and do is try and tell people the truth. And then it's up to them whether they accept it. Yeah. It's up to them whether they follow it. Right. And though everyone lives like there is truth. The fads of the day are all, there is no absolute truth yeah. and your truth and my truth and all of these. Yeah, and that's you know, absolutely true. There's that, no truth, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. So, <laughs> By so, the way, if there was no truth, why would you even go to college? Right. What's the point, right? You're there to learn truth, right? Isn't that the point? If sure. a professor ever tells you, if you're in a college campus and they say, or you're in a college class and they say there's no truth, you ought to stand up and say, I want my money back. Right. I mean, <laughs> why am I here? Uh, when I get a degree, I don't get a degree in opinions. Yeah, I did get a degree in a discipline in which I'm supposed to learn what the truth of that discipline is. Exactly. Right. And you m- mentioned the idea of what's true for me and what's true for you. You can't use that argument and you use the bank teller, but uh, maybe you could use it in, in uh, going to the bursar's office to pay your college bill and tell them, you know, uh, I, I have paid that bill. Even That's right. You haven't. Because yeah. What, it's true to me. That, yeah. You always say it's true. That. It's true for you, but not for me. Yeah. Try that with your bank teller. Go to your bank teller and say, say I'd like $100,000 out of my account. The bank teller says, I'm sorry, you only have $6.14 in your account. Don't worry. It's real easy to get the money. Simply say, ah, that's true for you, but not for me. Give me the hundred grand. Right. right? You're not going to get the money. Why? Because it's true. There's only $6.14 in your account. It's not just true for you. It's just true. Exactly. <laughs> and, and the same goes with other types of things too. When we say, well, we can't uh, censor anything. And yet 
censorship is going on all over the place mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. university. You know, you just oh, take yeah. plagiarism, for example. Uh, do you want to allow uh, ultimate freedom of speech? It has mm-hmm. to be controlled by a standard, and we have the standard of morality mm-hmm. in the gospel, don't we? Yes, we do. We have the standard of Jesus. He is the truth. He is the standard of righteousness. Um, and so and, they want to censor, though, the Bible and, yeah, well, and they, Christianity they, it, out of the culture and allow things that are Here's the contradictory to, part of the whole tolerance movement. The folks that say they're fighting for tolerance are often the most intolerant people out there. You know, they'll talk about inclusion, tolerance, and diversity, but then they'll exclude you for having a diverse opinion. Exactly. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> right? So <laughs> it's, it's something that is contradictory. You know, you, diversity in, in a college campus doesn't really mean diversity. What it means, we have a new set of beliefs that you have to believe in. And if you don't believe in those beliefs, if you have a different view, a diverse view, we're going to not enable you to speak or we're going to shut you down right. or we're going to mock you or do something like that, right? Yeah. So it's tragic that the folks who say they're fighting for tolerance are often the most intolerant people out there. Right. So intellectually, Christianity can be defended to the hilt, but ultimately the Christian faith is not an intellectual decision. It's a response to the spiritual calling of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, isn't it? So, yes, but there's a difference between belief that and belief in. Belief that is getting evidence that Jesus is the Savior, but trusting in Jesus, that's a matter of the heart, not just the head, right? So we get intellectual information to know that God exists and Jesus rose from the dead, but then in order to have our moral transgressions forgiven, we trust in Jesus for what he's done, and that is the spiritual realm of it, right? Right. I mean, it's not just intellectual. If it was just intellectual, the demons would be saved, right? Because right. they know intellectually that God exists. In fact, James even says that. That demons know that God exists, but they tremble, Yeah. right? But they don't, they don't trust in Jesus because they don't want to. And so we have to go from belief that, which is intellectual, to belief in, which isn't just intellectual. It's also volitional. It's up to the heart. Right. Well, it's good to have, uh, once again, Frank Turek, Dr. Frank Turek, uh, author of the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And uh, Frank, uh, thanks for joining us after your visit here to Penn State and a packed house last night. Thanks, Glenn. If if people want to learn more, go to crossexamined.org. That's crossexamined with a D on the end of it, .org. They can download the app. They can invite us to campus, invite us to church, invite us to high school. Check out our radio program, TV program. It's all up there. Tremendous. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to the Lion's Den University Reports. If you would like more information about the Christian life or would like to contact the Lion's Den or one of the guests, please write us at the Lion's Den, Post Office Box 226, Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania, 17844, or email ltcldur at yahoo.com.